I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Let's begin this morning by going to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this time to come and open up your word. Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, as we listen to your word preached this morning, we pray that you would write its eternal truth on all our hearts, Lord. Lord, help us to see what you have to tell us today, to teach us. And Lord, I pray that we would conform to your word, to your will, to your character. Now these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. We'll be looking at verses 15 through 32 this morning, the second half of chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 15 through 32. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 147 in the Pew Bible. Page 147 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, then uh, we invite you to take that Bible with you. That's our gift to you. So please take that and use it. It will certainly bless your life. Now, I've not always been so studious. In fact, in the seventh grade, I wasn't, wasn't studious at all. Uh, in fact, I didn't even try a lot in the seventh grade. And uh, so I, my grades weren't that great in the seventh grade. But I remember one time and seventh grade, I was in the science class, and I really didn't try on that test, right? It was the first test of the year. I really didn't put any effort into it whatsoever, and my grade reflected it. It was a really, really bad grade. I've never made <laughs> that bad of a grade before or again, but uh, it was a really, really bad grade, and it was so bad that after class, after the teacher handed it out to us, and, and then after class, he called me up to his desk. And my teacher was like, uh, Richard, I know your grandparents, and I know your parents, and this grade doesn't honor them. Well, that kind of stuck with me. Like, my conduct, right, my performance on this test reflected, right, it either honored or dishonored my parents, my grandparents, my family name. You know, as Christians, everything you do as a Christian, everything you do either honors or dishonors God. Everything that we do. Not just coming to church on Sunday, but everything that we do as we go out and live in the world, every thought, every deed, every word that we utter does one of two things. It either honors God or it dishonors him. And that's what we see in our text today. As Moses teaches us from Deuteronomy chapter 12, here we see that very, that very lesson. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, you remember Moses here is preaching a sermon to the Israelites, and at this point he is applying the second commandment of the Ten Commandments. And you remember the second commandment of the Ten Commandments, you shall not make any carved image. 
You shall not make any carved image. And way back there when we were in chapter 5 and we looked at this principle, we, we determined that the, the kind of core principle behind that, that commandment is to honor God, right? To treat God with the dignity that he deserves. Because the first commandment tells us not to have any other gods before Yahweh, before the Lord our God. And, and this second commandment, it, it's about making an image that's supposed to reflect God, right? That's supposed to represent God. That's what the Israelites did there at Mount Sinai when they built the golden calf, when Moses was up on Mount Sinai too long, and and they decided, hey, well, let's build this image. Uh, They weren't building some Baal or something like that, some other God, but they were building an image that was supposed to represent God. But that image failed to represent God. In fact, any image that we could possibly create fails to represent the full character of God. Therefore, any image that we can make that should represent God would not honor him, but would actually degrade him. And so the principle here, to put it positively, is to honor God. We are to honor God. We're to give him and treat him with the dignity that he deserves as sovereign Lord of all the earth. We're to honor God in all things. And so last week in chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, Moses takes this commandment and he applies it to worship. And so we looked at worship, we looked at, uh, he, he contrasts between dishonoring worship and honoring worship, and so we looked at those last week, how we honor God even in our worship. And now as he continues on through here, he kind of deals with worship a little bit, but now he's kind of, kind of shifting gears just ever so slightly here. Now as Moses focuses in on honoring God, uh, he, he looks at how we honor God, not just in worship, but in our ordinary lives. How we honor God in our ordin- ordinary, everyday lives. So the message of today's text is this, take care to honor God with your life. Take care to honor God with your life. Because as Christians, there's no sacred and secular. There's only sacred. We are to live holy unto the Lord. And so everything that we do either honors or dishonors Him. So we need to take care to honor God with our lives. And today we're going to see three ways to honor God with your life. Just three. Uh, We could add many, many more, but we're going to focus in on three because these are the three that Moses kind of focuses in on in our text. And I encourage that, I, I, I hope, I pray that this message will encourage you to examine your own life and to make sure that you are honoring God with every part of your life. So we're going to work through this. We're not going to read all of it this morning because it is a lengthy passage, so we're, but we're going to just work through it paragraph by paragraph. So as we begin to look at this, how do you honor God with your life? How do you honor God with your life? First, you honor God with your life by loving others. Honor God with your life by loving others. Look at that first paragraph starting in verse 15. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns as much as you desire according to the blessing of the Lord your God 
that he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and as of the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it out on the, on the earth like water. You may not eat within your towns the tithe of, of your grain or of your wine or of your oil or the firstborn of your herds or your flock or any of your vow offerings that you, have, that you vow or your freewill offerings or the contribution that you present, but you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place that the Lord your God will choose you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, and the Levite who is within your towns. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all that you undertake. Take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in your land." Now, Moses is progressing on here. Last week, you, you saw his focus was really on worship, corporate worship, when the body of believers, when God's people come together to worship the Lord. And so his focus then was on the, the tabernacle at that point, but then what would later become the temple, when God's people gathered to gather for worship. So up, but up to this point in Israel's history... The Israelites, if they were to slaughter domestic animals, they were to bring them to the temple. They could eat wild game in their tent, right? But their domestic animals, the sheep and their cattle, they had to bring it to the temple to be slaughtered and make it a part of that ceremony, the ceremony of worshiping God. But they're about to enter into the promised land. And they're going to be spread all out. I mean, right now, at this point, as Moses is speaking to them, they're all kind of gathered around the tabernacle. They're within walking distance of the tabernacle. So it's no big deal if they want to, if they want to uh, slaughter a, a lamb to, to eat, and that, then they could bring it to the tabernacle. But when they get all spread out throughout the land of Israel, throughout the land of promise, that's not going to be so convenient. And so Moses is... is making a, 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 a kind of changing things a little bit, right? He's making an accommodation so that they don't have to bring every domestic animal to the, the temple. Now they're able to slaughter animals and eat them in their hometown, wherever it may be. But even in this, right, as they're living out their daily lives, he wants to remind them not to neglect the tithes, not to neglect the offerings. And he comes down to that one imperative in the paragraph there, verse 19, take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in the land. You see, Moses understands that as they get spread out, as they begin to slaughter animals in their own town and partake of the food there in their hometown, they might be tempted, right? They might be tempted. Man, the temple's so long. It's so far to the temple. We got to travel two or three days or more, in some cases, to get to the temple to sacrifice this first fruits, right? This lamb. They might be tempted to save the best and eat that at home, 
and not bring it to the temple to worship God, to have it as part of their worship, to pay it in their tithes to the temple contribution. They might be tempted even to neglect worship at the temple and just eat at home, have all of their animals slaughtered at home and not do anything at the temple and the worship altogether would be kind of pushed aside but if they did that if they did that of course he talked about that last week so we're not going to focus in on that temple worship but if they did that one thing that they would be neglecting or one person they would be neglecting would be the levite why is that so significant why does he add that sentence Why does he tell them, take care not to neglect the Levite? Because you you remember that of all the tribes of Israel, the Levites were not given an inheritance in the land. They weren't given land. They were given little cities here and there. Yes, they had those cities, and they had some little area around the cities where they could have some, a few little herds and herd of sheep and cattle and that sort of thing. But they weren't given a, an inheritance in the land. They weren't given fields to grow crops in. They weren't given all of this range to range cattle and all of these things. Their heritage, right, their inheritance... In the land was their service to the Lord. And so if the people of Israel neglected to bring in the tithes and the offerings to the temple, then who gets neglected? The Levites. Because that's how they made their living. They made their living off of serving the Lord. And part of their tithes, part of the offerings that came into the temple was given to the Levites to take care of them, to make sure they were provided for. And notice what he says here, do not neglect the Levite. Do not neglect the Levite. The way you demonstrate your love for the Lord, the way you honor God, one way that you honor God is taking care of God's servants. Those who, who that, that's their living, right? That's the way they make a living. And Moses says, you honor God by loving God's servant. By making sure his servants are taken care of. And praise the Lord, that still continues today, even in his church. And I'm so blessed and thankful for this church, for providing for me and my family as I serve the Lord. I don't have to worry about having a second job, but I can focus in on my ministry to the Lord and this church. And so I'm so thankful for what this church provides for me. But that's one way that we honor God. We honor God by loving God's servants and making sure his servants are taken care of. And that's one point that Moses is making here. Now, while Moses points to God's servant here in our text, God honoring love for others doesn't end with God's servant. We must also see that honoring God, we honor God by loving even the most vulnerable. We honor God not just by loving his servants, but honoring the most, loving the most vulnerable in our culture, in our church and our society even and we see this more directly in other places and one of my favorite passages to go to for this is Isaiah chapter 1 Isaiah chapter 1 verses 12 through 17 God here is getting on to the Israelites 
Because right there, they're coming into the temple, they're, they're making all their sacrifices, they're doing the appearance of worship, right? they're going through all the outward steps, the outward appearance of worshiping God, but notice what God says here as he warns them and as he chastises them, when you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the call of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feast my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Watch this. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. The orphan. Plead the widow's cause. Two of the most vulnerable people in our society are the orphan and the widow. They're the most vulnerable of our society. And what does God say? Yeah, you're bringing in your sacrifices, right? You're coming into the temple. You're making all these wonderful sacrifices. You're praying your prayers. You're going through these outward steps. You've you're got this outward appearance of being holy and mighty and worshiping me, but you're neglecting the widow. You're neglecting the, the orphan. You're neglecting the most vulnerable of our society. Therefore, all of your worship, your so-called worship, it's a stench in my nostrils. It's an abomination. You see, we can come into church and we can praise God and we can have the best music service and we can have the best church service and we can all dress up nice and pretty and, and go through all of these motions. But if we're not loving people, if we're not showing people the love of Jesus Christ, then our, all of this is an abomination to God. It's worthless. It's a stench in his nostrils. It's clanging of, of metal in his ears. If we're going to honor God, we honor God. One way that we honor God, we honor God by loving other people. Loving his servants, loving the most vulnerable in our family and our society. We're to love them, care for them, provide them in ways that we can. We're to love God by loving others we honor god by loving others in fact verse john chapter 4 verse 20 verse through 21 if anyone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Brothers and sisters, right? In the midst of one of the most selfish and self-centered cultures in 
all of history, right? Because that's where we are. Look at our culture. Our culture is one of the most selfish and self-centered cultures. It's all about me. It's not about anybody else, right? It's all about me. That's the, the spirit of our culture. In the midst of one of the most selfish and self-centered cultures, we honor God. We magnify His name by considering others more significant than ourselves. A God-honoring life is a life of love. Love God. Love one another. Love our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us love our world, right? Let us love other people. Let us worship God and honor God by loving others. Second, we honor God by respecting all life. We honor God by respecting all life, this next section. And, and some of this is a repeat, and, uh, but he, he kind of hones in on this more in this second paragraph. But what do we see here? You know, all life is precious in God's sight. All of life is precious in God's sight, including animal life. God created the animals and gave them life, and that life is precious in God's sight. Therefore, all life, including animal life, right, not just human life, but animal life, should be precious in our sight. We should appreciate it and respect it even as we take animal life to consume it and sustain our own lives. Look at verses 20 through 28. When the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he has promised, you and as he promised you and you say, I will eat meat because you crave meat, you may eat meat wherever you desire. If the place that the Lord your God will choose to put his name there is too far from you, then you may kill any of your herd or your flock which the Lord has given you. As I have commanded you, and you may eat within your towns whenever you desire. Just as the gazelle or the deer is eaten, so you may eat of it. The unclean and the clean alike may eat of it. Here's an imperative, a command. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood. Be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it out on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that all may go well with you and your children after you when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. But the holy things that are due from you, your vow offerings, your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood on the altar of the Lord your God, uh, the blood of the sacrifice shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, but the flesh you may eat it. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. 
Go back to verse 23. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. What is Moses talking about here? Uh, is the, what's he talking about? What's he getting at in this text? The, the point that Moses makes here in verses 23 through 25 is that we honor God by respecting even animal life. Even as we kill it to consume it, we, we honor God when we respect that life. As Moses says here, don't eat the meat with the blood in it. He, he's not saying that the only biblical way to eat a steak is well done. Praise the Lord, he's not telling us that. Right? Who, who likes a burnt steak? I don't. Right? That's not what he's getting at. That is not at all what he is getting at here in this text. So don't worry. We don't have to burn the steak before we eat it. But blood is associated with the life of an animal. And as you, you drain the blood out of an animal, what happens? So the life drains out of the animal. And so the whole point that Moses is making here is that you don't eat an animal while it's still alive. You don't, you, you don't do that. That's inhumane. That's not respecting the life of that animal. If you're going to kill an animal, he, he gives us permission to kill and eat way back there when Noah came off the ark, right? He, he gave that permission that we can kill animals and eat them for food so that we can uh, sustain our own life. It's still a sacrifice, right? It's sacrificing a life for a life. We're taking an animal life to sustain our own lives. And in that sacrifice, we are to respect the animal that we are killing, that we are slaughtering. And this thing kind of seems weird to us. I mean, well, of course we wouldn't eat an animal while it's still living. But there's some cultures who do. There are some cultures, and I'm not going to go into any gory details. You can Google it for yourself. But there's some cultures that do that very same thing. Right? They are inhumane in the way they, they slaughter an animal to consume it. And in some places, they eat the animal while it's still living. Right? They don't respect the life of the animal. And so as Christians, we're to respect the life of even the animals. We're, we're to, to respect it. We're, we're not just to kill animals for no reason. Most of us, are, a lot of us in here are hunters. I'm a hunter, and a lot of us are hunters. And, and hunters know that there's a hunter's code. There's a hunter's code. My, my grandpa, my daddy, they taught me the code. If you kill it, you eat it, right? You, you don't just kill to be wasteful. I remember hearing the story of, of how the buffalo in America almost became extinct because the old Westerners, they would go out as they would ride the, the train across the Western Plain. They made sport of killing buffalo, right? They would see how many buffalo they could drop while they were riding on that moving train. And so they would just waste the meat. Basically, they would waste the buffalo. They would kill it for no good reason. They would kill it for sport. And God says, that's not biblical. You're not respecting life. 
You're not respecting life. You're taking life for no reason. We're to treat animals humanely. We're to respect their lives. So if you kill it, you eat it. You consume it, or at least have somebody else who does consume it. But you don't do it to be wasteful. Even when it comes to our pets. You know, our pets that we have, and most of us love our pets, and so we treat our pets humanely, but, you know, some people don't. They neglect their animals. They lock them up and don't feed them and don't water them, and that's inhumane. We need to treat animal life humanely. God loves creatures. They're, they're part of his creation. He loves them, and we should love them and care for them and treat them humanely now of course there's people who go to the extreme on that they go to the opposite extreme and if you go to some of these slaughterhouses around america you might go out there and you might see some petitioners out there meat is murder meat is murder and they're equating the slaughtering of meat to consume uh, to murder like murdering a human being that's not the case humans are special because we are created in the image and likeness of God. A cow is not. So God gives us permission to kill and eat for our own sustenance, uh, other animals. But even in that, we're to respect that life. We're not to take it lightly. We're to respect it and treat that, that life, that animal life, in a humane way. So honor God honor God with your life by respecting other life other life human life or animal life respect life respect life and the New Testament addresses that too right Acts uh, over there in Acts at the Jerusalem Council that's one of the things they tell the apostles as they're going out to the Gentiles I only tell them don't eat the blood don't eat the blood respect human or excuse me respect animal life so honor god by loving others by respecting other life and third honor god by conforming to god's word honor god by conforming to god's word in this last paragraph of chapter 12 moses warns the israelites not to conform to the world look at verse 29 when the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care, another imperative, take care that you be not ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, how did these nations serve their gods? that I may also do the same. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way for every abominable thing, every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to worship their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do you shall not add to it or take from it. You know, the world is very enticing, isn't it? The world is enticing. It knows how to tempt. It knows how to draw us in. Even when Eve 
was enticed by Satan to partake of the forbidden fruit, she saw the fruit that it was good for food. It fulfilled a fleshly desire. It was a delight to the eyes. It fulfilled a covetous desire. And it was desire to make one wise or to make one like God. It fulfilled a prideful desire. You know, the world's enticements, Satan's enticements, haven't really changed at all in all these thousands of years. The world says, if it feels good, if it tastes good, do it. But the Bible says in Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. And again in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as a sojourner and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against the soul. We're to resist the world's temptations. The world says you need to keep up with the Joneses. You see that shiny new car? You see that luxurious house? Those designer clothes? You deserve all of those things. So lie, cheat, steal, max out that credit card. Whatever it takes to get those things of the world. But Jesus warns, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. The world says you deserve more in life. You deserve to have all your dreams fulfilled. And, it, and who cares how many people you have to step on and crush to get your desires fulfilled. But the Bible says... Philippians 2, 3 through 8, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Even obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We're to resist the world. The world is enticing. It wants to draw us in. It has all the pretty things. And it flashes those before our eyes. And oh man, they look good and we want those things. But the Bible says resist them. You're not to be like the world. You're not to act like the world. You're to live holy unto the Lord. You're to be different. You're to act different. You're to, to strive for things and life different than the world. We honor God by resisting the world and conforming to God's Word. Dear friend, you honor God when your life, with your life when you resist conforming to the world and all of her enticements. But instead, you conform your life 
to God's Word, even to the very character of a God, we're to become like Christ. Romans 12, 1 through 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Oh, dear friends, we are to conform to God and His Word, not to the world. Dear Christian, honor God with your life. Honor God with your life. With the things that you do. With how you live. Don't look to the world. Don't take your lessons from the world. But look to God. Look to His Word. Don't conform to the world. But be transformed. In the image of Jesus Christ. Let's honor God. With our very lives. Now for some... Maybe you're here today, maybe you're listening in online or whatever it may be. You haven't honored God with your life because you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. You know, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've never looked to Him and surrendered your life to Jesus, you can never honor God. You can join in worship. You can do all of those things. You can do wonderful deeds in society that people will just pat you on the back and praise you and tell you how wonderful you are. You can win wonderful awards for your, your sacrifices in the community. But if you never sacrifice your life or you never surrender your life to Jesus, Christ you will never honor God and you can get all the accolades of the world but still stand before God and he will say depart from me you worker of iniquity I never knew you the only way you honor God is by first turning to Jesus trusting in Jesus surrendering your life to Jesus that's first step in honoring God Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, dear friend, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I implore you today, let today be the day of salvation. Turn away from following the world and turn to follow Jesus and begin to honor God with your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your direction in our lives, Lord. We thank you as, as Christians, your church, Lord. We thank you that you, you reveal to us how to conform our lives to your word and to your very character. You, you show us how to become like Christ. Not just in our worship here as we gather together for, whole, uh, for corporate worship, but even in our very lives, Lord, you show us how to honor and glorify you in our world with our very lives. Oh, Lord, thank you. Lord, we confess that we are weak. We are weak. And Lord, sometimes we give in to the world's enticements. But Lord, we pray for your strength, your Holy Spirit, to work in us, to strengthen us, to help us to resist the world's enticements. 
and live in such a way that you are honored and glorified in our lives. Oh Lord, you tell us to, uh, to honor you even through whether we eat, we drink, or whatever we do, Lord, we're to give glory to you. We're to do it all for your honor and glory. So Lord, even in the most mundane things of life, Lord, help us to honor your name. Lord, if there's any of those today who've never trusted in Jesus, Lord, I just pray today that you would speak to their heart. Turn their eyes to see Jesus and let them trust in him. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.